Hi, this is Jim from Safety Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of Liberty and Prosperity and the highway to the north, this is Safety Wars for Thursday, April 27, 2000. How's everybody doing? I'm still getting set up here. I'm sorry I'm late. We had issues today. Making sure I am on the air. Okay, we are streaming. That's several platforms here. We are on safetyfm.com. We are on Facebook Live. We are on Twitch TV. We are on LinkedIn. And we are on, what's the last one? Twitter. We're streaming on all of this stuff. You can find us somewhere, I'm sure. If you're listening to us, you have found us. How's everybody doing tonight? Yeah, we got a lot of stuff going on here. Uh, so, uh, how do I start here? We ha- I'm going to uh, start out with on a somber note. Uh, Jerry Springer uh, has passed away. Unfortunately. And you say, Jim, why are we starting out with Jerry Springer? Oh, is the reason why. Uh, just a little bit of inside uh, uh, baseball here, so to speak. So, interesting guy. Yeah. Born in 44, died in 2023. He worked on the uh, Robert F. Kennedy uh, campaign for president. As you know, we mentioned last week that, or this week, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., his son, is running for president now. Uh, he had, uh, to say it was unusual, uh, man, it was unusual, his program. It was basically the average, uh, one description was the average American was uh, basically there. Or I don't want to say average, just American culture was there with, uh, with what he did. I mean, you know, it was uh, highly uh, uh, sexualized, highly grotesque in some ways. Uh, bizarre things. He was like a ringmaster in a circus. Now, I had done in, oh, it must have been November, December 2003, 2003. I had uh, been assigned to do the lockout, tagout compliance plan of the NBC affiliate in Chicago. And one of my previous uh, lifetimes working for an engineering firm. And 
one of those sets was the Jerry Springer set. And it was also the Judge Mathis set also. And it used to be the Sally Jesse Raphael set in there was when they, when she was there. I'm no, I'm dating myself. And one of the things was the uh, carpentry shop. So the carpentry shop made was there to make breakaway furniture. We had to do the lockout. It was a standard lockout tag out type deal. And one of the things was uh, all of the chairs were made by, were made with one by ones. I don't know how, what the size of some of those people. They're, They're big people on that show like me. Now, how these chairs held up is a testament to uh, wood and to the carpenter's uh, expertise in making these uh, chairs. They're all breakaway chairs. They're like tacked together with like little tiny finishing nails. So when they got, when they got thrown at people, which often happened on that show, uh, they would break away. That's, uh, you know, some interesting stuff. I know, you're, you're like, Jim. You have all these crazy stories. Yeah, I'm full of stories. That's why I'm here sharing them with you, my lovely and loyal audience here. So last night, uh, I just released a podcast uh, on Rules for Radicals. What I, and what I did was I have a tendency sometimes to uh, record things on here. So I had uh, been pre-recording a uh, the, the episode from last night. And then when I went to edit it for video was like a uh, bad foreign movie from the 1970s, like a Kung Fu movie where my lips were, and the audio did not match up at all. And I worked and I tried to, and it was different. So I would get it synced and then it would unsync. No, I could have done like the Kung Fu chops here and it would have been, uh, you know, it would have been right up that alley there. Now, so it didn't work, so I just did it by pod, by podcast. Now, if you listen to it, thank you. If you haven't listened to it, you're going to get it again right here because we're going to do it live uh, with, with you. So there's a background to this. And this was published on my birthday, October 16, 2000. Uh, I'm sorry, 2020. 2000, wow. Uh, This was published on my website, safetywords.com. And I had made a decision. It was uh, before the pandemic, really, that I was going to, uh, uh, that I was going to approach safety differently. Right. A great title for a book, by the way, Uh, Todd Conklin, where I was tired of and sick of doing the same thing over and over again. So we were going to make a change, and eventually it evolved into this program here. Uh, actually, 2020, I, it's, years are running together. 2020, yeah, before the pandemic, 2021. Okay, I got my years right. So it was in 2020. So anyway, we, I said, you know, we can't continue to do this. This is when I met up with... Uh, the great Jay Allen, the safety mystic, and started learning about human and organizational performance and eventually came in here. And uh, it's the title of the article is The Pushback Faced by Safety Professionals. It was part of a cathartic experience, but when I had presented it to at Rutgers uh, in their continuing education department in the 
for the pardon me OSHA outreach training there. Construction, I believe it was. I had presented this as this. I said, look, this could be used by anybody. It's not an original work. Rules for Radicals has been around since 1969 or 1970 by Saul Alinsky. But it makes a lot of what we do in the safety world, it makes it, it organizes it systemically with the pushback that we get. But it doesn't only apply to this. So rules for radicals, a little bit of history. 1968, Democratic National Convention in Chicago. They're going to say, well, there it goes on politics again. Not talking about politics. There was a riot out there, full-blown riot. And uh, with the people from the counterculture in the 1960s going against the old guard of the Democratic Party. And there was violence and everything else. A community organizer named Saul Alinsky decided, look, this ain't the way to do this. We're, you have to, and he came up with rules for radicals, 13 of them, to for social change, to take over the party, to, take, to force a movement. Eventually, this you know, was adopted as uh, in a lot of political stuff on both sides of the aisle, eventually. The first time I heard of this stuff was in 2000, 2001, when I started to get involved in politics. Actually, 2019. Uh, I'm not, sorry, 19, uh, in uh, 2009. Uh, screwing the years up. 1999, when I started to get involved in politics. And when I started reading through this, I said, son of a gun, this is a lot of what we went through at work. Then I put the book away and everything else. And, but then I started reading it again and again and again, and it started to dawn on me. I said, what if we can help other safety professionals out by pointing this out, these 13 rules? It also applies to bullying, it applies to a lot of stuff that I went through in school, psychological abuse. You know who you were. I'm over it, but I'm mentioning it because other people, I, uh, what I find over the years is that other people have uh, experienced this. Uh, Shay Robottom being one of them, if you get her daily emails uh, or that they were weekly, she details her, her struggles if we could go through some of these things, and at the beginning of the podcast season one, we went into a lot of this stuff. What's uh, gaslighting? What's a psychopath or sociopath? And if you are a teen, 12, 13, or even a preteen, this stuff applies to you as well. Uh, what I'm finding out is that on... Uh, uh, so one of these platforms, I'm getting a lot of teens on the platform here uh, with uh, uh, with this who are viewing this. I'm one of the so this applies to you too. If you understand now, I don't offer solutions because you have to find your solutions and how to manage it. You're the expert in your work area with what you're dealing with and everything else. So. We're going to go without any further uh, comments. We're just going to go right into it. 
And if I use the word enemy, just realize that's what the original text uses is the word enemy. Your coworker is not your enemy. People are not your enemies. Very, uh, I've dealt with probably at this point in my life, 100,000 people. We're getting to the point of six degrees of separation from Jimmy Pozel here, uh, like with a lot of the safety professionals. So enemies, far and few between. Do I have enemies? Yeah, everybody has enemies, Rob, but they're far and few between. If everyone's your enemy, and then uh, maybe uh, you got to start doing things differently here. Your outlook on life has got to be uh, different. So number one, power is not only what you have, but what the enemy thinks you have, right? This could be as simple as hearing, and this is, goes on. This, have you heard? I've worked here a long time. I'm a, and you could insert your favorite relationship or your favorite association, and the person says, leave me alone and don't rock the boat or I'll make trouble. Something like that. This can be done overtly or it can be implied. It's like, oh, look at him. He's, don't you know who they, that is? That is so-and-so. Or he's related to so-and-so. Often this is the reason why the company hires you as a safety professional to manage problem people like this. Sometimes... And it's better left to the human resources department. Do your job, let the chips fall where they may. The end result is if you give in to this type of thing, you're worried about what this person is going to do to you. You cannot do your job effectively. And you're, and the, what the point is, is to get you out of the job, to get another safety professional in there. And the person who perpetuated this, they get uh, to keep their job, people get hurt company gets liability. And once you finish your assignment, however that gets finished, you find out the person lied to you. They're not respected in the organization and you were called to manage them to begin with. So what do you do? You have to identify these situations and handle them early. Try to give a nuanced argument. Try to get, oh, we talk about leadership, getting people on your side, coming to an understanding. That's what this is for. Sometimes that's not going to be possible and say, look, this is what the situation is. Let the chips fall where they may. Never go outside the expertise of your people. This is a problem with safety professionals often. The person that you are dealing with is the expert in that job. Well, Jim, but Jim, that's a... No, they're the expert in the job. They're familiar. You're not an expert. As a matter of fact, when I go in and someone says, this is the safety expert, I get a little bit annoyed because I tell them right off the bat, not an expert in anything. You're the expert in what goes on around here. Uh, and being a self-identified expert, you're not going to make any friends doing that. I'm the expert. Uh, even if you are and you think you are, you don't go around saying that. This big turn off and everything else. I do not like talking about being an expert. So what do you do? You provide expertise and advice about what you know. Ask good questions. Do what our friend of the program, Brent Sutton, says. Uh, Brent Sutton, who, I, who I'm probably going to be meeting in uh, the next couple of months. He's taking a trip uh, to New Jersey, is my understanding. So tread carefully into areas you don't have an expertise. Because if you make the wrong 
uh, recommendation, you destroy your credibility. If you find yourself outside your expertise, guess what? Admit it. Ask questions, research, learn about it. Maybe find someone more qualified. The person you're dealing with may be more qualified. Ask some of them for their opinions. Get on the same page. Getting other people's input gets better solutions and perhaps gets them on your side. Whenever possible, go outside the expertise of your enemy, of the enemy. So rules two, right, and three complement each other. One strategy is to undermine to undermine you is to find your strengths and weaknesses and concentrate on what you don't know. This is right, and it's a trap that you get set for you. And let me point out, you don't want to do this stuff to other people because no one wants to deal with a jerk, right? For example, you know a little you know a little about forklifts and you're auditing one trade. You identify a problem or what you think is a problem, and the response is going to be, why are you worrying about this? You should be worrying about another situation. All right? Uh, Frank upstairs with a forklift, or you should have to be worried about something else. Now, they direct you to another person, and then usually that person doesn't even exist. Right? And aha, they got the uh, laugh on you. They, uh, but concentrate... Right? People will concentrate on your weaknesses. That's why you got to know what your weaknesses are, and you got to admit them. If you don't know something, don't know it, right? So they're going to try to go outside your expertise. So never go outside your expertise, and don't get led and realize that people are going to try to get you to go outside your expertise. If you're a younger and more inexperienced safety professional, it's an easy trap to fall into. Uh, you know, uh, so, you know, they direct you somewhere else. You should know about this. Or they misdirect you, get you off into the weeds on something. Make the enemy live up to its own book of rules. Prior to enforcing a rule, make sure that you obey it. Could be, uh, the big one is PPE. You can't enforce a PPE rule, personal protective equipment rule, if you're not following the rules yourself. So if the requirement is to wear a hard hat, then wear a hard hat. Again, this is, and we're going to talk about leadership. The easiest, uh, the easiest uh, uh, way to show leadership is by following the rules yourself. The other thing is this. If you have stupid rules, identify them as stupid rules and try to change them. Sometimes yeah, that can't happen. Uh, be especially careful if management encourages the breaking of rules, especially behind your back. They will often blame you. Hey, we got a safety professional here. Why isn't he or she doing their job? And we'll mention it, of course, during an annual review or other inopportune moment. Number five is the one that is the most effective. This is the go-to one. Ridicule is man's most potent weapon. This is a go-to, especially if you have the potential to be successful or to achieve some success in the workplace, well, that could be through changing the culture or anything else, right? So people who are against change, doesn't matter what the change is, often use, uh, often use uh, uh, this type of tactic that is ridicule because there, you know, there is your change, right? They use that tactic against you. They ridicule you. So what, what, what can you do about this? 
The strategy for managing means not taking yourself too seriously and not getting upset. And that's easier said than done. If they show people that you are getting upset, show people you are getting upset, you're going to have a problem because it invites more ridicule. Always at the most inopportune moments. So you got to be cool about the whole thing. Again, don't ridicule people. Pain for pain doesn't work. Long, long term may make you feel good, but doesn't work long term. And if it feels good, doesn't mean you necessarily should be doing it. Get the leadership of the team on board with safety, and the group will follow the leadership and ridicule will curtail. Get the leadership. If you have 100 people on the job, you do not have to get all 100 people on your side. You get the 10% or the 7% that are the leaders. And those are real numbers that I've read somewhere, right? And everyone else will fall into place. Concentrate on problem solving and not emotional reactions. Again, emotional reactions are what are used to mess with your head. Emotional reactions do not get good results. I grew up in the New York City area. Uh, central New Jersey, which I, and there's a big debate where central New Jersey is. There was a, I was on the station on uh, Coast to Coast AM, WOR, uh, back in February and March, was I grew up with a guy named Bernard Meltzer listening on the radio. And he had a show where you would call in, and you get all different types of advice. And he was a sage you know, advice person. And you know, he even gave out, uh, teachers, Bernard Meltzer, Solve My Problem on WOR 710 AM. What he said is when you're emotional, when you get angry, that's when your best speeches are made. He, said, he meant it in a sarcastic manner, meaning you're going to break relationships. You're going to... Uh, 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 need to apologize for things, your real true feelings, some people feel, are going to be come out in your anger. So you don't do that. A good tactic is one your people enjoy. All right, number six and number seven, a tactic that drags on too long becomes a drag. So how do we use this to our advantage? In the safety program, if you want to, right, this is one that you could use with the workforce. Learn an activity the workforce enjoys. It's easy to do. Hopefully it's affordable and gives effective results. So how are these used against you? If the workforce enjoys a negative tactic, they will continue to use it on you. React emotionally to it, and it's guaranteed to continue. Don't take yourself, have grow a thick skin, However, remember, if it's illegal, if it's illegal, uh, you have to get HR uh, informed about it, involved. So if you react emotionally to this, it's guaranteed to continue. When you use an old safety program that does not work or is stale and the team cannot relate to it, you will definitely have a failure of that safety program. It could be an incentive program. It could be a training program. It could, oh, it could be a schedule. Oh, well, that's, you know, we're talking about this again. 
and you know, invest in those meetings, invest in those programs, invest in your approach. Don't think that you're the end all and be all. You may have to bring someone else in, things along those lines. So a tactic that drags on too long becomes a drag and it holds you back. A good tactic is one that people enjoy. Real simple with that. Now, the whole thing, right? Number eight is probably the most important law here because it penetrates everything. What's the thing is to keep the pressure on, especially with the following laws from number eight on. Keep the pressure on. Know your weak spots ahead of time and make sure they are fixed or at least have a way to manage them. If someone finds a weak spot, then they focus on it and repeat the attack or casually mention it, always at inopportune moments. Does that undermine you? Right? Again, if it's illegal, you got to report it. But the thing is, is to keep pressure on you. And there's many different ways to keep pressure on you. And we're going to go into that in a minute. The threat is usually more terrifying than the thing itself. Number nine, your own imagination is your own worst enemy. People who have been at rock bottom, I've been at rock bottom before, and worked their way out of it, will tell you that rock bottom isn't scary. That's what's so dangerous about it. If you think rock bottom is not scary anymore, you're willing to take risks. That's the dangerous part of it. But on the other thing is, if you've hit rock bottom, Nobody can really threaten you. If your life is doing bad, things are going bad, someone gives you something else, you know, you can either crack, have a breakdown, or you can say, yeah, well, it's another thing for me to manage. Move on and keep calm. All right? So if someone threatens you, uh, no, I had a uh, former mentor that used to have the idea that uh, if someone says or else, take the or else, right? No one to take the or else. So if someone's threatening you and everything, realize the threat is more terrifying than the thing itself because we're going to go back to number one where, right, the power is not only what you have but what the enemy thinks you have. Hmm. So if you think that they're more powerful than what they are, then they have that power over you. So don't worry about the threats. Let them threaten you. However, if it's something illegal, you have to handle it as illegal. All right. Do you, right. Uh, the major premise for attacks is the development of operations that will maintain a constant pressure. Again, that's that pressure upon the opposition. So what are some of the ways that it manifests itself for a safety professional? And others, too. Three tactics usually manifest themselves in the following ways. Call you on your days off to ask questions that can be left until your return. All right. On the same day, and this, sometimes this is a coincidence, sometimes it's not. People coordinating come to you with all the problems. Not a coincidence, usually with all the things that you have to deal with at the same day. And everything has the same priority. You're putting out fires. Everybody has days where the stars align and you have to put out fires. We, we get that. We understand that. That's realistic. But if it's every day and they know that you're dealing with problems at home that may be stressful, they continuously do this to you, 
then it may not be a coincidence. That's all I'm saying. You got to know and discern what it is and what isn't. I don't give solutions here. This is a dated one, but it still could work. Change paperwork, lose paperwork, then blame you or somebody else. So we have the little thing called smartphones, and they have uh, uh, scanner programs, photographs, cameras, everything with that. Make sure you get copies of everything, right? Because this often happens. I had a situation where someone gave me written instructions. I was went on vacation. The quality control person came in, wrote a real bad report, and I said, well, I got written instructions on this. And I said, let me go find it. And they said, oh, and lo and behold, all my uh, file cabinet records are cleaned out. This is in 1998, before the advent of smartphones, we didn't even have a copy machine on that job. And, well, they lost the paperwork. They lost the written instructions. However, I had this one time kept a copy of it. And I couldn't find the original, but I found a copy of it. Uh, and after this was all settled, I came up and I said, these people, this is what happened. Well, how come you didn't find this out? I said, well, I don't carry this copy around with me. I had it at home. I brought it in. Here's the issue. They gave me written instructions uh, to do it this way. And I was on vacation. They decided to change horses and everything else. And I said, you know, this is, had I known today what I'd known when I had I known then what I knew know today, I would have said, look, I would have called them on it. So again, that's one way. Steal resources. Keep those emails and everything. Steal resources. It could be something as simple as a dry erase marker for presentation to taking critical equipment or even breaking critical equipment. So where does this uh, come up with, right? I'll have to change some of this. Uh, document here. You're doing a presentation. They don't want the presentation. They think they're going to sabotage you and they're going to take all the dry erase markers. What's the solution to that? Bring your own stuff. They'll break equipment, break computers. Uh, the remote control for the TV that you're supposed to be doing a presentation on that they have nowadays is gone. The person who is supposed to be there to help you leaves. Not there that day. Takes the day off. Right? Not that people can't have a day off, but sometimes, oh, okay, oh, where's Frank? Oh, Frank is out making a delivery. Well, Frank's supposed to help me. Well, yeah, but Frank's, you, you can handle it. Okay, oh, great. So have your own equipment. I always go everywhere with my own sound system, my own, if I need one, my own projector, my own computer, my own stuff that I know works. General sabotage. You can take that up. We had the uh, simple sabotage book. Uh, that we had gone over a couple weeks ago uh, on the podcast. Where I, no, the first time I read it through, I didn't upload the program because I was laughing so hard from it. Favoritism. Favoritism for many other things. So what do you do? Continue to do your job and be professional? The, this is meant to put pressure on you. One result of these facts is, is to get a reaction out of you. Then the perpetrators play the victim card. That's what sociopaths do, or psychopaths. They're aggressive, and then they flip the, they flip the switch. Then they play the victim. So, uh, the, now, call people out in a professional way when they try these tactics and get caught. 
if they're doing it this bad, you got to get HR involved. Don't uh, be afraid to get someone else involved, outside help, if you can't resolve this yourself. Keep a record of this. Number 11, if you push a negative hard enough and deep enough, they'll break through into its counter side. So this was uh, my old story, right? Make a negative into a positive is how I take this. It's something a little bit different but uh, in the book, but I try to make negatives into positives. Optimism is your best weapon against all of this stuff. I, don't, I didn't say delusional. I said optimism. Pessimism and cynicism are your enemy. I had a hostile site leader complain to me during a meeting in front of about 80 people. Right? He said, I should be arguing on his team's behalf to get a safety rule rescinded. I knew that if I tried to get a safety rule rescinded, I didn't agree with the safety rule, but they weren't going to rescind it. Uh, we weren't going to get rid of it. They would likely throw me off the project, and that was his main goal, to get me thrown off the project. They get someone else out there they can control, and they get him or her off the project. And everything else, this was a little game that they would play to show that they're in charge, number one. And number two was uh, they were trying to get a safety professional who never left the trailer, basically. So I said, and we went back and forth. And I said, and he's yelling at me and yelling. And I said, you know what? I said, John, your ideas have merit. And I said, you're very articulate with your ideas. Your reasoning to you is sound. What that was sound, right? I said, to you is sound. I tell you what, you're very persuasive. So I tell you what, let's go up to the decision maker's office. And we'll let, and you can argue your point to the decision maker, and I'll stand right behind you. The decision maker is there right now. What do you think his response was? I said, come on, John. What, what are you afraid of? You're better at arguing than I am. I'm going to admit it. You make better arguments. You make better. You're much smarter than I am. I'll admit that in this area. He knew that if he would have went up there to make this argument, he would have been thrown off the project or at least it would have contributed to him being thrown off the project because this was, was a long history, and they said, look, the next person who argues this point, the decision's been made, you're no longer going to be working here. So when he did not follow up, right, it made him look bad to a team of 80 people, and he didn't want to do that. So what was uh, what didn't he do after? They never confronted me in front of 80 people ever again, in front of so many people again. Everything after that was done one-on-one -on -one because we know you praise in public, condemn, and argue in private. Right? You don't do this in front of people. However, this is what they're going to try to do. They're going to try to make you look bad in front of everybody. Now, what do you do? You have to have a strategy on how to combat that. And there are many different ways you can combat that. Number 12, the price of a successful attack is a constructive alternative. 
again, this works both ways. If you are in a discussion, in a quote-unquote argument with someone, and you work and you are able to break through and quote-unquote win, whatever that is, again, try not to argue with people because it rarely turns out well. Even if you win, you lose. But if you're able to argue your point and get that across, you have to have a success, a constructive alternative. This is where the, otherwise you look like a blowhard or a malcontent. You look to the worker for solutions. You have to have positive solutions, constructive solutions. Because if you don't have a successful alternative or a solution or a roadmap to get there, you're not going to you're you're not going to look good. Number one, number two, you're gonna they're not going to listen to you again. Oh, this guy's just a malcontent or blue heart. He has all these problems and those solutions. Sometimes as safety professionals, especially if you're a consultant or a non-competent person, this could be an issue. Why? Could this be an issue not, if you're a not a confident person? It's because you don't have the authority to hire, fire, discipline, make corrections, or maybe even assess what the hazards are. So a lot of contracts are written that you're not allowed to give means or methods, meaning you cannot uh, tell people how to do their job. So uh, sometimes you're, sometimes you, can't really, so you could say, look, I have to say no to that. Don't do that. But I can't really tell you how to do it. But there are ways around this. One of the ways is, well, you know, other contractors have faced this similar situation and they've done A, B, C, or D. Or maybe you could put the, and maybe you can guide it without giving means or methods to that. And that's what you need to do with that. Have a constructive alternatives. Number 13. Again, this is, again, to keep the pressure on. Rule number eight. Number 13, pick the target, freeze it, personalize it, and polarize it. Plain old bullying is what this comes down to, to just making people look bad. Some ways, how does this manifest itself? I, these are what I've, what most of what I've had to experience here. And I'm not playing the victim card. I'm, I'm, hey, I'm just pointing things out that you're going to have to figure out a way to overcome. Being excluded from meetings or not being invited to meetings. That happens, right? Not having the correct equipment. You order nitrile gloves, they give you latex gloves. You order a, uh, no, we'll go in with my yellow suit story. That will, you know, we're all familiar with that if you've been a long-time listener. Breaking equipment you need. We mentioned that before. How about this one? Unreasonable schedules. They give you a schedule that's impossible. There's one dredging company that I know of. Overloads its uh, personnel with paperwork. There's little, literally an an. an uh, and they work 12-hour shifts. There are literally four and a half or five hours worth of paperwork a day. 
Okay, explain to me how you're supposed to be auditing the jobs and everything else if you have this unreasonable amount of paperwork, unreasonable schedules, meetings after meetings, right? So one side, you don't have meeting, you're being excluded from meetings. The other way is that they keep you in meetings all day. Here's a big one, rushing an accident investigation. Right? Uh, that's another big one. Hey, now again, free target it. You're the target, right? Personalize it. Oh, you have to get that accident investigation done by the close of business. How often have we heard that? We've heard that a lot. What's the reality? You can have a preliminary accident investigation. Okay. Close of business. Make sure that is, if it is a draft, uh, you mark a draft and you use the watermark across the whole thing. Or if you send it out by email, make sure it says draft on it. Put, the, put it up, put that watermark on there. Learn how to use that word processing thing because this is what happens also. We issued a draft. This happened way back in the day before, uh, no, 2003, 2004. I issued a accident investigation that was a draft because there's no way we're going to finish that accident investigation and by the close of business. And someone took a bottle of whiteout. Whiteout was like a glue type thing that they would, uh, that you would put over things, right? Put over, uh, what do you call it? Put over written word and then, they took that off, photocopied the paperwork so you couldn't see the whiteout, and then said, look at what this accident investigation he did. Again, make you feel alone. You feel about that small right, when that happens. And uh, by the way, that person who did that is still in the refining industry, and it's the head of a cor very large corporate contractor, a contractor for in the refining industry, a general contractor. I won't mention her name. Not having resources, time, or personnel to do the job. Not budgeting professional training or development. So they keep you in the dark on all the new developments. That's how behavior-based safety gets perpetuated, in my opinion. Is that, oh, well, we're going to go by behavior-based safety, and you never hear about HOP, Human Organizational Performance. This is a big one. No scope of work is communicated for a contract. So they don't give you a scope of work. Scope of work is important, right? So if you're a worker, you don't get that. Colluding with others or simply bullying you, many different ways. Overloading you with work. Distracting you from uh, your duties. Team members doing work on projects you know nothing about. That happens. So other people, because they're excluding you from meetings and everything else, now... You come into, hey, there's a problem. Oh, well, hey, Jim, what do you know about this meeting? Oh, I don't know. What do I know? I never heard of this project. Oh, you had to have heard of it. They saw you're, you're here. On, this actually happened where people signed my name to minutes. And everything. I've never heard of this. Never was on this. Well, you weren't at a meeting on uh, July 14th? No, because on July 14th, I was on vacation in Alaska. Oh, so we know this is a forgery. I wasn't in the meeting. Okay, that actually happened. I was in Alaska, and they, oh, well, oh, wasn't in the meeting. We also had, uh, uh, 
legal situation. This is what, what I used to do. I used to go, and uh, when I would uh, uh, go on vacation, to prove that I was on vacation, because this happened a couple of times where I wasn't anywhere on the job, I was on vacation, and I got blamed for stuff that happened when I wasn't there because I worked with people who blame things. I used to go out and use a credit card, use my credit card for something small. Say, well, Jim, what, what happened last Friday? Oh, I was in Delaware last Friday. Well, what do you mean? Here's the proof. I was in Delaware. Here's the receipt from the uh, thing. My credit card, blah, blah, blah. I'm, you talk to so-and-so. That happens. Those are the kinds of people that are out there. Blindsiding you, surprising you with information or situation that need your immediate attention or put you in a bad situation. Blindsiding you is probably the worst thing that you could uh, uh, deal with professionally. So there's not much you can do to counteract a lot of this stuff. If people are going to do this stuff, dude, they're going to do something to you. If it's illegal, report it to human resources. Keep records. Keep good records here. Consider moving to another position or company. Sometimes we get stuck in positions. We understand that. Or stuck with companies. If you're in a situation like this, I'm going to tell you the stress is not worth it. I never, my problem is, is that I always stayed places too long. I should have been at years ago. Why? Because we deal with this uh, type of behavior out there. And, you know, you get beaten down and you stay there. There's some th situations, especially beginning my career, I should have just said, the hell with you. All right, and now it's like I have that old uh, uh, Austin Powers line, right, from Dr. Evil. When mini-me dies, is a mini-me. If you die, I'm going to be upset. I'll be inconsolable for about an hour, and then I'll get another one. You're always going to, especially if you're in your, the beginning of your career, you're always going to be able to get another job. How do they bully you? It's the same thing in high school and in grammar school as in a lot of workplaces. They're going to put something on your permanent record. And then, you know, someone, last person to tell me that, I'm, I'm going to make sure it's on your permanent record. I said, well, you know what? They do have a permanent record called the Internet, and I'll put it on the Internet. We had a problem with somebody uh, about uh, four or five months ago. And I said, look, this is just a problem between me and you. You do, I can put, make, put this part of uh, my live radio show. Would you want to do that? I tell you what, I'll get put it in front of 27, in 27 countries. All of a sudden, it wasn't a problem anymore. Again, I'm not, I'm not showing off how smart I am, but what the point is, is if someone threatens you, if it's illegal, report it, number one, defend yourself, what have you. But the other thing is, is to get a emotional reaction out of you. Never let them see you sweat, it's, right? Get an emotional reaction from you, trying to manipulate you. Don't be manipulated, be educated. That's one of our lines here on safety wars. Because we have to fight that safety war, no matter what. And we owe it to our coworkers. We owe it to our company. We owe it to our clients. We owe it to everybody else to fight that safety war. And that's what I'm here tonight to say. So for safety wars, 
This is Jim Pozel. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.